Welcome to the Family Goals Podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. My name is Joel House, and the purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. Today, we have a special guest and good friend of Pastor Jay's, Brian Bloy. Brian and his wife, Amy, planted Westridge Church in Dallas, Georgia, 25 years ago. Brian was also our keynote speaker for our first men's conference, and we dive into his message on the first Adam and the last Adam. Check it out. Today on the Family Goals Podcast with Pastor Jay and Davey Pollock, we have my good friend, Brian Bloy, yeah. Pastor Brian Bloy, Pastor of West Ridge Church. Y'all are in North Paulding County? Yeah, Dallas, Georgia. Dallas, Georgia. Yeah, west of Marietta. Phenomenal church. Brian and Amy started the church 25 years ago? 25 years ago in September, upcoming September, yeah. September what? September 7th. So are y'all, are y'all having a big 25th anniversary celebration? Yeah, we're looking at that. We're trying to figure out what that's going to look like. We usually have a big fireworks night, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Do y'all so, do it right, or do y'all do like the little baby fireworks? No, we, no, we do it big. Okay. We hire a company. I never, I'm never a big fan of going to a fireworks show that's not that's not like big. Like let's do if we're going to do a fireworks show, it needs to be big. Yeah. Like look, you need a barge. You need like a. It needs to. It needs to be a throwdown. West Westridge Church. Say the neighbors always complain. How's Good. That? Yeah. We need complaints. Like Westridge Church does everything, big time. That's what I'm talking. Oh, about. They're, 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 their their motto is: if you're going to do it, they're do it incredible. Big. They're big. they're a phenomenal church, impacting thousands of people in Atlanta. Uh, and the other thing I love about Brian, he's very involved in church planning, mentoring. He and his wife Amy mentor pastors. They help start churches in uh, Boston, Detroit, yep. around the world. Yep. So a lot, a lot of incredible things. You and I have so much in common. I know this is a family goals podcast, but let's talk about church planning real quick. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about. I love How it. did y'all start Westridge Church? So we were, uh, I was a student pastor for nine years, and uh, we just felt called to, to go plant a church somewhere. Probably about 1995, the journey began of us, Amy and I, wrestling with all of that. And we never intended on moving to Atlanta, because in my mind, Atlanta just had churches everywhere. And so we had actually five cities that we were looking to go to. Not one of them was Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I came here to do a wedding in 96. And we were in Paulding County where we live. And I'm realizing there's a lot of churches here, but nobody goes to church. And so God just led us through a lot of different things to end up in Dallas, Georgia, Dallas Hiram area. And uh, at the time we moved, it was 93.7% unchurched, which is almost hard to believe. You know, yeah, in, in a place outside of Atlanta. But that's what happened. And so we moved here uh, in the summer of 97. Our oldest son was two years old and just uh, started with 42 people and uh, and then ended up in, a, in an elementary school, a high school, and then eight years later built a building. And so, yeah, we, and we started planting churches a couple of years out of that, uh, just realizing, you know what, we wanted to be a reproducing church. And so that whole journey began. And I think that's how our friendship yeah, Again, I think I think. Pastor we, Jay, how many did you have when you when you opened the doors? What was your starting number? Well, we started in our living room with with about twenty adults, and we had maybe ten kids up in Jolin's bedroom. So <laughs> that's outstanding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's always pretty that, cool, though. I mean, that that's, that's how beginning. any big dream. Like, yeah. I mean, what it what it took it took uh, Walton to do Walmart. It took him like seven years to do a second Walmart, and now you look at them all over the country. Like Starbucks took. 13 years to have more than three stores. Like, but now you look at it like crazy. It's, it's awesome to see. It's really cool to see how those things start and people that have the, uh, what do you call it? I guess resiliency to just continue to go and go and go until 
boom, there's there there it happens. It's pretty tough. It, yeah. it does take a lot of perseverance and yeah. a lot of resiliency. And I can't remember the statistics, but most church plants fail. Yeah, I, I think at one point it was seven out of ten, and I think it's gotten better now because things are a lot different now than mm-hmm. when you and I started our churches. Yeah. There's a lot more support and resources, and you know, def- definitely there's a bigger group of guys out there doing it and staying connected to each other. I think when you you and I were doing this, kind of, it was the wild west out there. It was. It was, it was know, the every, wild. Every man like for himself. Parachute in and exactly. Yeah. Hey, let's let's dive into. Brian was the keynote speaker at our very first men's conference, and. Maybe the best message ever at Greystone Church. <laughs> I don't know about that. It was definitely the best men's group uh, message we've ever had, by far. Oh, definitely. De- by far. I mean, far and away. It was the first and only, but that's, a, that's, that's beside yeah. the point. That's not, <laughs> I was about to say that. It, d- it doesn't matter. It was the best by a long shot. I'll take the best. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, I answering the call to biblical manhood. And we've had so many men, just the, the result of that, so many men have gotten involved in discipleship groups, joined Celebrate Recovery. So we're seeing some huge impacts just from, just from the one night. I'd love to hear that. Um, but I want, I want to talk about just your message, um, answering the call to biblical manhood. A lot of people liked how you compared the first Adam to the second Adam. And let's, let's talk about some of that and, and where the idea of, of that message came from. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Paul lays that out in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You know, you have the last Adam who was a failure, or excuse me, the first Adam mm-hmm. uh, who, that was a failure. The last one and, was uh, and the first and the last Adam who was Jesus uh, got, actually came and got the job done. And so Paul contrasts those two Adams, those two, you know, the first man and the second man, one being of, of earth, the other one of being of heaven. And, and he says the first man became a living being, the life, the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. And, and our, th- those two pictures represent two types of men. And we have a choice as men to uh, model our lives after one of those two men. And I think that's what men, that's the choice that men have to make every single day. Will I be that first Adam who lives really to suck the life out of other people? Or do I live as... Jesus, that that last mm. Adam, who is a life-giving spirit, who actually pours life into other people. And it's a choice that all men have to make all the time. Do you hear that, Pastor Jay? Choice. We were just we were just talking about stuff and everything's a choice, right? It is. And and you get to choose that that every single day. How did you how how do you do that though? How do you choose that? How how does somebody I think it's I think it's easy to say. I think it's easy to say for a lot of people all the time, do this, do that. Like yeah. But then I think when people go, well, how do I choose that? What, what does that look like? Well, I mean, I, I think Scripture talks so much about, you know, self is a big thing in, in our world today. And I think for most people, they're trying to find themselves, promote themselves. You know, social media makes that even harder. And I think, in, you know, as men, we get caught up in a lot of that stuff of, of who am I? And yet scripture, scripture basically talks about dying to self. You know, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to die to self so that Christ can live through us daily, daily. Yep. And it is, it, it is a hard thing to die to self. It really is. I mean, because everything out there says, promote yourself, make something of yourself, do something with yourself. And, you know, and, and, and I think all of us have been in, involved in sports to some degree. Um, and, and, and that's where, you know, the, some of the rub comes because when you're an athlete, uh, you're trying so hard to make something of yourself. To, but, but when you combine being a Christ follower, it is an everyday goal and, and 
you have to wake up with the desire to go, today I die to self. If I'm going to be a good husband to serve my wife, then I have to die to myself. If I'm going to be a good dad, then I have to die to self so that I can pour myself into my kids. So it's a, it, it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment moment thing of just, you know, dying to our sinful fleshly desires so that we can become, you know, the man God's, God wants us to be. But also so the Holy Spirit can actually live his life through us. Which, you know, that are, that's why we want to be. We want to be spirit-filled men. You'd, you'd mention the first Adam sucks life out of people, and the, and the second Adam, Jesus, gives life. Yeah. And, and I know it, it kind of simplifies things, but you either have givers or takers in life. You have people who, that's exactly right. who take from others or people who give from others, yeah. who give to others. Of course, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be people who give life to people, mm-hmm. but I'm gravitated towards, I like to be around other people who are generous mm-hmm. <laughs> and who aren't, t- aren't constantly trying to take something from me, but it, but it's more of a, a give and take relationship that, Hey, I'm giving to you. And, but you're also given to me. We also talk about iron, iron sharpen and iron type, uh, relationships. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what are your thoughts, Dave, on like giving and taking? You know, I think it's, you definitely know the difference when you're around those people. I think as you get older, you you start to crave different things. I, I know I'm learning that. Like I don't, I don't have the energy anymore or the want to to be around takers of energy, like the 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 vampires, the energy vampires right. that John Gordon talked. Right. I just don't. I used to I used to be okay with doing going and doing stuff with people as if they were different and if they were. Um, you know, different than me and ha- and, and, and might have been takers. That would have been okay as long as it was fun. Now I'm like, there ain't nothing about this that's going to be good. Like, it's just, it's just a different, it's a shift in perspective. It's, but here, you know, here's something interesting. And this is total, this is a little bit different, but this is what it made me think of. And this is something that we're dealing with in the Pollock household. So we're, and I'm curious because both of y'all have been through this. I'm big on parenting questions all the time. I'm trying to build this with my family. I'm trying to build a, a security system with my kids. Like I don't allow them to go X, Y, and Z. I don't allow them to hang out with X, Y, and Z. You know, here's my question. If I never allow my kids to be around people that aren't living the way I want them to live, how do I reach people? You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's a big question that's stirring in my heart right now is okay. If, if I don't, if I don't want Leah to be around her, but how do I reach? How do we make her? How do we help her? Like, how do we bring her along? And I mean, I don't, I, how did y'all do that? How did you balance between saying, I, I want to live this way. I, I only want to be in a bubble. I don't want them to see X, Y, and Z. I don't want them to be exposed to this. And also bringing some, maybe bring somebody along with you and making them better and helping them become what they need to be or what they were called to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that is a great question. I, I, I'd love to hear your, your take on that, well, Jonathan. I'm so glad that Davey's asking this question because I think it's so easy for Christians to gravitate to our holy huddles mm-hmm. 100%. And, and create these bubbles and trying to protect our kids. And that's one of the challenges with uh, the Great Commission and, and, and sharing the love of Jesus with our community because all of our Christians are going to Christian schools or, or we live in these gated communities, and we've got to get out of our holy huddles so that we can reach people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 27 talks about our, uh, or is it 127? Talks about that our children are like arrows and that we're to launch them in the world or, or shoot them out 
into the world. So really, I think it's both and because you, you have to have your kids in around the right accountability and around the right people. And, and we talk a lot about church being the third place, that, that our kids are real involved in church. But they, they've got to have, have one hand in the huddle and one hand reaching out. Yeah. And I think that I like that's that. the challenge of how you do it. Now, I do think sports is a great way to do that because the kids are – I mean, you're on these teams, you know, it, hopefully it's not just all Christian families who are creating this holy huddle of a team, but – Sports is a great way to reach people. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of look at parenting as 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 we have some we have some dials in our hand. We have we have this dial where we can dial some things in and we can dial some things out. And when it comes to who our kids hang out with, what they're exposed to, whatever, I think as parents, some of that is just how much we're willing to be engaged, and and what we do with those dials. And I think as we pray, God's going to give us discernment. He's going to give us wisdom. And I think sometimes, like for, for my wife, Amy, and I, as our boys went through public school and then they went to Christian colleges and this and this, you know, when they were in our house, it was like we had our hands on those dials and it was, okay, there's a friendship here. We need to dial that out a little bit. Not all the way, but we need to dial it did out. Did you have conversations with your kid absolutely. about that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What did you say? We just said, hey, you know what? This, this friendship right here is probably not going to lead you in the right place. It's probably not... Uh, pouring life into you. It's probably not healthy for you. Okay, Dad, but I really like being around them. Yeah. What's your response? Well, you know what? And you can be around them, but we're not going to do this. You know, you can be around them in this context, in yeah. this way, um, on the sports field, whatever. But as far as like, you know, are you going to go on vacation with? No. You know, that kind of thing. I, I think as parents, we have two dials in our hands. We have, we, we dial in, we dial out. And mm-hmm. I think it's our... It is our right as a, as a dad to go, you know what? I'm going to dial this out a little bit. But there are some things that we need to dial in. And we need to go, they need, we need to dial in a little bit more of this friendship because this is a good friendship. We need to dial in a little bit more uh, being in church or being in a student group or being in you know, kids ministry or whatever that looks like. And I think as parents, we have to realize those dials are always in our hands. I like that. We can't take mm-hmm. our hands off those dials. Because in it, we're always having to dial in, dial out. And, you know, parents who are afraid to do that end up with bad consequences. We have to, we have, to have the strength and the courage to go, you know what? And, and sometimes, Davey, honestly, there have been moments where I go, I don't have an answer to that, but we're just going to dial that out a little bit. We're just not going to do that. Just trust me. Yeah, just trust it's me. It's just we a feeling I have. We don't, we don't feel good about that. You know, which, is, which is tough. I, I'm learning this. because And as, you, as your kids get older, you have to trust your kids. And yeah. So, yes. Joel, are you on? Are you online, Joel? Are you with us? I got a mic. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Joel and he he knew what our convictions were in our family. So, in our family, Joel and growing up, he was not allowed to play rated M for mature video games. Yeah. I mean, that's just we didn't have those in our house. But he would go to a friend's house. Let's say a friend, of the neighbor, he might be over at a friend's house, and they're playing one of those games. Joel knows he shouldn't be watching that game, and so he would. He would call the house and say, y'all need to come get me because they're playing these games. Or he would let them know, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. Or he would just play and not tell or you. Or i just play and not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, you want to expose your kids to the world yep. while they're still in, in your, your house. Because if yeah. you completely protect your kids and they are not exposed to anything and then they go off to college... They're, yeah, then they're gonna they, watch rated R movies. And they were every day, there were day, certain just, kids where like we would ask to spend the night at their house, and y'all would always say no. And I'd never understood it 
at all until I got to a point where it's like, well, maybe they don't want me to be, hang out with this kid's house because of their morals or what their parents believe in. And they don't really trust these parents. And now I understand it looking back. Okay. So would it have been more helpful if he told you the why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understood. Well, I think we, I did, understood. we did tell yeah. him the why. He well, may not have been old. I might've just been stubborn or, yeah. but you don't get I it. I like then. hanging out with that kid. Yeah. So I'm thinking of one particular person in our neighborhood. Like, don't mention their names. I'm not going to mention their name. I know who you're talking about. But uh, we would allow him to go over there. We know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> who <want> names? <laughs> you, you never know who's listening. Never to these oh, oh, I didn't use. I haven't used names on a couple things because I've had people text me and say that they're listening. I'm like, oh, okay. You're using too many names. <laughs> I like on this. I like. To, we'll, the, we'll call this person Sally. I, did, <laughs> that's what I'm I like to go. Okay, for the sake of the argument, we'll call this person Jackson. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, don't use names in yours. No, but like we would let Joe and go play at this person's house, but we wouldn't let him spend the night at the house. And, and so we I have a lot of those. You've got those type of scenarios. So let me tell you, this is what I'm thinking, okay? And I'm, again, I'm going through this. Y'all have already experienced this, and I want parents to hear this because I think this is stuff that helps. So the way I think of it is when two or more are gathered in my name, what does the word say? God is with them. God is with them. So here's how I'm thinking in my head. I want to handle those people that you're talking about reaching out to. Like when I, 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 Leah has a couple really good friends. Nicholas has a couple really good friends. I know exactly what they're about. I trust them wholeheartedly. I know what their parents are about. I know what they're learning. I know what they're teaching. They can spend the night there. I know exactly what's in their heart. Okay. If those girls and those boys, and there's three of them or two or three of them, and we know what they are and who they are, feel like I can bring somebody else in. Now, I can't bring in three people that I don't know and three people that I don't necessarily trust. But if I got two or three of the girls, two or three of the boys that I know exactly what's in their heart, I think they'll stick together and make really good decisions. I don't think they'll allow each other to go off path. I think God will be there. I think God will help them. When you bring in other people that you don't know and you bring in the majority, you know how it is. The majority, a lot of times, tends to rule with kids and one person brings up an idea, but... That's how I've been contemplating it. And again, I'm, we're 13 and 11. Like I'm learning, Leah's 11. She's a pain in the butt right now. Like she's an absolute, she's, she's tough, man. She's very tough to, to figure out. And she, you can tell she's hormone. Lindsay asked her the other day, she's like, why, do you, why are you so argumentative with everything? She's like, I don't know. She's like, I, can, it just, I just feel it. it feel, something feels weird. Like I just feel argumentative. And I'm like, I know. I can feel it too. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's kind of my thought process. What do, you, what do you say to that? Well, I, th- I, I like the idea of, of you're talking about bringing people in. So that was yeah. always, we wanted to be the neighborhood, the house in the neighborhood where all the kids wanted to come play at our yeah. house. Right. So we're creating that type of environment. And I think, of course, you have a great house for that with all the activities that you have. But I think being able to bring people in, but also trying to bring in some lost people yeah. so that you can reach them. I think get them on your turf. <laughs> Now, we, sometimes we have to go to their turf yeah. to reach them, but also bring them into our turf. And you guys have, have a couple of adult boys. Y'all have been through a lot of this. Yeah, we do. And, and you know, one thing you said, Davey, that I think is important is, is the dialogue that, that you're having with Leah right now is so good because, I mean, that's when the, when the conversation breaks down and the dialogue breaks down to where your kids don't talk to you about what's going on, then all of a sudden you start seeing that distance. But the, the, I think part of the key to this, and, and you just mentioned it, is staying engaged in your kids uh, enough to where if something does happen that you can't control, they're willing to come to you. And one of the things that Amy and I learned, my wife Amy and I, we've learned is look for teachable moments. Constantly look for teachable moments. 
And I think because we can't control everything our kids are, are hearing, we can't control everything that, you know, that's going on in environments where we're not present, then, then if the dialogue is open and our kids trust us enough because they know, hey, listen, we got your back. We're praying for you. We're in this together. Then they're going to come home and talk to us. And we may go, oh, okay, that wasn't a good situation. But how are we going to handle that moving forward? And hopefully, because you're involved in Leah's life, she's coming back. And you guys can have the conversation you just described was healthy. You know, and so you're hoping, even with, you know, you mentioned my boys. One of the things I, I feel like that we had over the years with, with our oldest son, Taylor, and our youngest son, Zach, is they would actually come home and tell us things that happened. Man, you're not going to believe what just happened at that thing I went to. Um, even, even now I'm, I'm always amazed at their ages, you know, Taylor be 27 and on Monday, Zach's 24, the stuff they tell us, our youngest son, Zach would tell on himself. And I would look at him and go, why are you telling on yourself right now? This is crazy. He's like, I just got to clear my conscience. And I'm like, well, I'm thankful that you feel close enough, but that just, that's because we were involved. We were very intentional having conversations and just sitting down and not constantly preaching and throwing things. One of the things I learned about parenting years ago was ask questions. Ask questions because questions open up dialogue and they don't put kids on the defensive. So when you're constantly asking questions like, hey, how did that make you feel? Hey, tell me what, what happened in that moment. Like, how did you respond to that? Instead of just, because we always have an opinion. We always have a thought of how we would have handled something. But when we constantly are throwing the opinions out, it shuts down the dialogue. Questions keep the dialogue going. It's kind of like your wife. Oh, that's they, exactly they, right. They, they, just, you, they just uh, want you to listen. Yeah. They don't want you to problem solve all the time. Like they don't Ask want questions. They, yeah. They don't want you to go, you need to do this. You need to do that. You should do that. You're just like, shut up. Listen. That's right. why I'm just sitting there going, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> shut your mouth. Don't talk. Can, don't talk. Yeah. Can, Lindsay, can Lindsay get you to shut your mouth? Yes, she can. <laughs> she can. Might be the only person. Is it one person? I just, I do what I'm told. That's why I have a good marriage. That's why I have a healthy marriage is because I do exactly what I'm told. We're going through some interesting stuff right now, though. I mean, with the ACL. So, Lindsay tore ACL skiing. Really? And, I mean, I, I was telling Pastor Jay this, you know, um, off camera, off microphone. But, like, we, I've already seen, we day two, I, I mean, we're on day, like, five. But I, day two, I saw God. Like, I saw amazing things. Day two, my kids are serving my wife. Like, I'm having to serve my wife more. Christ talks about love your wife like the church, right? Yeah. I mean, I have to do everything now, which is awesome, Lindsay. But it shows you how much she does. Mm. But I just, I'm so excited that all of our prayers, like uh, this morning before we got out of our, um, for for school, before we got out of the car, Nicholas prayed, and he prayed for us real quick, and He's like, I pray for, for mommy's leg and that we can help out. And, and that's what I've been praying with them is like, how are we going to step up? Like, that. we got to step up and serve mommy. Yeah. Like, she usually does X, Y, and Z. Who's going to do it? We got to help her. Mm-hmm. And so we're already seeing like really positive things um, come out of it. But it's also very difficult for, for Lindsay. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great teachable too. moment. We talk, about, we talk about look for teachable moments all the time. It's a great teachable moment. Um, first time skiing, by the way. First, time, first ski trip. Wow. Might be the last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably the last time Lindsay skis, but. Uh. So, so let's, let's jump back to the men's conference. Right. Yeah. The, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to talk about the, when he talked about Jesus, I loved it. Like when he yeah. talked about the masculine man versus like the masculine Jesus and have, have, like being like choosing the Jesus type man. That was pretty, I yeah. thought that was pretty and cool. And so one of the, one of the big 
things was what what is a real man? Yes, and I think that's that's a great discussion. You know, what is a real man? Because the world might say a real man's whoever can lift the most weights in the gym or put back the most beers or or whatever whatever the case may be. And and I like you had you had four principles, and the first one was a real man is not passive. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. I've already I've already used that with my son, by the way. Well, 100%. It, I've already used that. Well, with both my kids, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, we put those, I wrote those four things out on a piece of paper um, years ago, and I put them next to both of my kids' beds. They still have them, and uh, and I, we, we still talk about this stuff. But if you think about, so so let's go back to a moment in the Garden of Eden where, where Adam had this moment to step in, save the day. He, Eve's being tempted by the serpent. Adam's standing right there. He, I mean, he has a moment there where he can rescue his wife, and he doesn't do it. Instead of, 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 of taking charge, he ends up being passive and watches the whole thing roll forward. You know, mm-hmm. we think sometimes Adam wasn't around. He was standing right there yeah. next to her watching this whole thing happen. And so, you know, where, whereas Jesus, when he had the opportunity to step in and to save his wife, the bride, mm. he did it. He came to earth. He... he he lived as a, I don't want to say an aggressive man, but in some ways he was a man's man. And he gave his life for the when, when, for his bride. And so whereas Adam failed, Jesus completely succeeded and gave his life for us, stepped in and, and, and fought off Satan and defended us and won the day for us, you know, which today gives us the opportunity to have salvation and, and eternal mm-hmm. life. So, um, you know, when I talk about, when I was talking with my boys when they were younger, um, I would say a real man's not passive. And we would talk about, who's your woman? Well, their woman at that point was their mom. I love that. And I would tell them, hey, yeah. your job is to defend your mom. We don't, we don't disrespect our mom. We don't respect, I would talk, I would say, we do not disrespect our woman. That's your woman. Your woman, mm-hmm. that's your woman to defend, to honor, to take care of you defend your woman and so we would talk in those terms when our boys were younger and so even when taylor got married back in december we kind of made a big deal of hey now you gotta now you now you have a different woman mm-hmm. now you you have a, a wife and now your job is to defend her because satan's going to come after her as well so we're not going to be passive even at 20, 26 27 years old this is where you really step up mm-hmm. so I, I love that i love that the other thing you talked about, not only not being passive, but a, a real man accepts responsibility. And one of the thoughts was getting off the sidelines and getting in the game. Yeah. Why, why do y'all think it's so easy for guys to be passive or easy for guys to sit on the sidelines and not get in the game? I think our default in our flesh is to go passive. That's what Adam did. That's the guy. You know, that's the man that... that that's we, where we come from. Kind of exactly. we're, we're born. We're we're born of Adam. That's the nature that we kind are the born natural of self, yep. sinful self. The natural self in the in the face of taking responsibility, doing what we're supposed to do. I mean, if you go to any church today and you look at statistics of who's involved in serving, almost every single time women outmatch the men. If you look at you know even some most homes, it, women. Here, here's what I've learned: when a man's not leading, a woman a woman will step in and lead. She will, because her instinct is, I'm going to protect these kids. I'm going to take care of these kids. I'm going to lead these kids. And if he's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. 
And then all of a sudden there's this dance that happens where this man goes, well, I'm supposed to be doing it. Yeah, but you're not doing it. And, and the woman's going, well, I'm going to step in and do it then. And it's like this fear dance that goes on. And our job is not to basically push women down. Our job is to come alongside of them and to be teammates together in raising our kids. And when a man, I mean, it's the natural order of things. And, and this is not good. I mean, I know that this language even that I'm using right now is, you know, under a lot of criticism today. But men have been called in the context of a marriage and raising kids to be the leader and to step forward and lead. And women are responders, and they will respond to godly leadership. And when you got a man and a woman both working together as teammates, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what's so broken down in our culture today. You just don't have that. And so, and, and in so many homes, you have a, you have an absentee dad or you don't have a dad at all. And it's just, it's a, it's a bad picture. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember the statistics that Adam, uh, Adam Allen put on the screen at the beginning of the men's conference, just mm. about when the man's not involved, how few of the kids are, oh, are in church. Yeah. But if the man is involved, it's like 70, 70% or something like that. I think it was below 10 when he wasn't, when he didn't, and then when he church. was, it was over 70%. Mm-hmm. So that's how big your responsibility is. Yeah, the three things you mentioned under uh, a real man accepts responsibility, you talked about a will to obey, a work to do, and a woman, a woman to, to love. love. Yeah, And that's, that's been something our guys have been repeating over and over again, a will to obey, a work to do, a woman to love. Yeah, Let's, let's talk about those three things. Well, when you think about Adam, here's the responsibility. He said, God says, you, you got to take care of this woman right here. Don't eat the fruit. Take care of the garden. And he basically failed in all three. He failed in all three jobs. Besides that, he's doing great. <laughs> that, you lost your you lost your place in the garden. You're out. And, but but uh, but in, and so if you think about here, we are of a will to obey, a work to do, a woman to love. Jesus, when Jesus came, he accomplished all three of those things, and that for us as men is our responsibility. Um, you know, we have been we've been given a will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love, and. You know, again, when going back to my boys, we would unpack what that looks like for them when they were living in my house. You know, your job is to obey the will of your father, your, you know, your, your heavenly father. You have a work to do, but, you're, but that's your woman right there. And you're going to love your woman, and here's what that looks like. And so you, you got to take some of that stuff and break it down for mm-hmm. your kids. And, you know, a lot of the stuff, I've, I mean, I didn't create all this stuff. A lot of that I got from John Eldridge. I got from Robert Lewis. I got from different people over the years. But, I mean... I, I, like you guys, I'm just grabbing from everybody that I can who I, who I, you know, respect or, you know, is a good voice out there. And I'll go, let's put this all together so that we can figure out how to raise some, Mm -hmm. some strong men in my house and, you know, some strong women in our house as well. See that, that, that strikes me because the question you asked or the, the, actually the comments you made, you talk about if you don't lead, women will lead. A lot of guys don't know how Mm -hmm. that's not an excuse anymore, bro. Like, you have access to podcasts like crazy. You have access to books like crazy. They'll even read them to you, for God's sakes, for people like me that don't read real well, okay? So th- there's, no, there's no excuse. Like, yeah. if you don't know how to do it, go pick the people. Like Foxworthy talked about months ago when we did this. Like, go pick the brain of people that know how to do this, yeah. that have done it. Like, the people that are successful. Like, what was the questions I asked you at the table? Yeah, you're like, asking me about parenting. What's the what's the what's, what's what did you mess one, up? Where did I mess what, up? What's Give one thing you changed? Right. What's one thing you did great? Like pick the brain of people around you that are successful. Go look at someone's marriage that you see that there has a really good marriage. Like what are y'all doing? Like yeah. what? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not. 
There, there is no excuse. I don't know how. No, bull crap. You're not willing to learn how. Yeah. Well, you're no. not willing to put yeah. that time in. Well, you when you, at the very end of that conference, I introduced you to my wife. Uh, this was this was impressive. You you met my wife. You talked to her for a moment. And you go, give me your best advice on parenting. Absolutely. And I'm like, That's cool. That's cool to me. You know, most men have not. They've not grown up seeing a real picture of biblical manhood. So they don't know. They don't know what that looks like. But to your point, there are so many good resources out there today. This podcast is one of them. Mm. You know, where just tune in every week and you're going to grab something. And it's not like it's going to happen overnight, but you can take some steps every single day, every single week to become the man, become the husband, the father. And you're going to fail. You're still going to mess up. I, I still mess up. I've got, I've got young adult kids that are outside of my house. My wife just read a book by Jim Burns who was a student ministry guru for so many years. And the subtitle is, is keep the welcome mat out and shut your mouth. Oh, I, I just read that book. And I'm I didn't know you, who wrote it, but I, yeah, I read it this Burns. summer. Yeah. And I'm like, how hard is that? Because I always have a piece of advice for keep my Keep the welcome mm-hmm. mat out and shut up. Shut your mouth. Yeah, it's, it's, is it's that for when they get old kids? parenting yeah. adult kids. How to, how to parent adult kids. Keep the welcome it's mat great out advice. I've been applying that big time. Has yeah. he, Jolin? Yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's like, but I wonder why he shut his mouth. Yeah. Like, more, more so with with his sister who's newly married. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so yeah. we, we want tough. them, uh, we want them to come home. We want them to visit. We want them to come over. You know. Yeah. Well, but it, but so. is it is it not true that if they want your advice or if they want help, they'll ask. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, we're still we're for, still waiting to see. You know, what I'm saying for the most part, like for the, for <laughs> the most part, like I, I would I would imagine like. Yeah. I mean, because because listen, we all had it figured out. Like I, I don't know about y'all, but I got married at twenty one. We were twenty one and eighteen, mm. and I had it figured out. Like I already knew it. You could you just ask me. I'd have told you I had it figured out until but, you realize you didn't. Oh yeah, and we had some. <laughs> the and we the had some older you get, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Getting back to the resources that are out there, of course, in the church world, we're constantly encouraging people to get in a small group. And we're real big here at Greystone about discipleship groups. Mm -hmm. And we challenge people. Everyone needs a Paul in their life, a Barnabas in their life, and a Timothy in their life. And so, I mean, we have men who want to disciple others. And so... Explain what that means, There's really no Paul, Barnabas, Timothy. So people know that. So Paul is an older Christian, someone who... Been there, done that. You know, find someone older. You guys have talked about, like, Mark Rick is a guy who's been meeting with you guys. He's an older man. I'm not an older man. There you are. <laughs> I am an older man for you. Dave, he loves to give me a hard time about how old I am. But I mean, yeah. So, and then Timothy, everybody needs a Timothy, someone you're discipling, someone you're pouring into. Because when you start leading someone else, you talk about accountability Oof. and modeling and example. And hey, if you're going to ask somebody else to have a quiet time, or are you having a quiet time? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to hold someone else accountable and not looking at porn? Are you looking at porn? Yep. You know, so it's like it really ratches up your commitment. And then everybody needs a Barnabas, which is an encourager. You know, someone at your same level. Figuring it out with you. We can get, let's just get together. You encourage me, I encourage you. And, yep. you know, so everybody needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and Timothy. That's good. So if you, if you want, again, if you're trying to grow, you're trying to work on your marriage, then find, find your Paul that has been through marriage. That's been through it for 30 years successfully. Mm-hmm. Not on their third marriage, probably. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's some people that are, really doing awesome on their third fourth marriage but i would go find people that have been married happily for a long time that you can go pick their brain and and learn or get a counselor 
counselors you know, are great. My my wife and I, I mean, you know, people don't people people look at counseling, especially I think in the younger ages, mm-hmm. look at counseling as weakness. Mm-hmm. They really, I think they really do. Joel, don't you think? Like, if if I said I had a counselor, I think there's a younger generation would be like, there's got to be something wrong with you. There's something yeah. wrong with you, as opposed to look at the Bible. What does it talk about? Seek counsel, right? Seek wise counsel. Right. Seek counsel, like. I mean, I don't. I think um, doing that will change your life more than you ever know. Like it's crazy, kids, kids, adults, parents. I mean, it's cr- it's nuts. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. It's a healthy thing to be able to say. Like you can say that out loud and be like, hey, "You're not weird." Yeah. So, two thousand ten. My wife and I we we brought a counselor into our marriage, and uh, we had actually brought him to the church to do some counseling for our staff. And he had an open open time slot. And I I said, Amy, I said, "What? what let's let's grab this time slot." And she goes, "Why?" And I said. Well, I just want to see what happens. She goes, do you think we have a, it was kind of like this questions. Do you think we have a bad marriage? I went, no, we have a great marriage. I just want to see if, what it would look like to have an even better marriage. And I'm telling you within 10 minutes, we were both had tears rolling down our mm. face and we got into some deep stuff and he's still in our lives as a counselor. And it's like our marriage has gone to another level because sometimes you need, you've got to bring a third party in to unlock some stuff. Yep. We, we all have stuff. All three of us, if we got into this, we probably all have stuff that happened when we were three, four, five years old that we had nothing to do with that have shaped us to this day. It goes back to this conversation about, about manhood. Mm-hmm. That you know, There's things that happened in my life. When I was three, four years old, I had, I had no control over, but it has shaped me at 56 years old. And so now my responsibility is, okay, am I going to keep letting that dictate my future? Or am I going to get help so I can fix it so I'm, I don't keep repeating these patterns? And I don't want to pass this down to my kids. I want it to stop with me, this generational stuff that, mm. you know, that we, we just keep passing down to our kids. I mean, it's like we have a responsibility. And, you know, I think you get into a counselor, all of a sudden you're getting tools, things you didn't know how to handle, you know, to, to, to make yourself a better man, a better father, a better husband. Well, I think that's a great example of you and Amy going to a counselor when you didn't have a problem or you didn't have an issue. Because yeah. typically by the time... A couple reaches out to me mm-hmm. for counseling. It's almost like too late. Oh, yeah. It's like they, they waited too late, yeah, and then it's, now it's, it's like 9-1-1. There's, there's no no chance. But if you could reach out when you're healthy and, and go ahead, I mean, it makes sense spending the money. We, we spend money on so many other things. Like Oh, gosh. Spend money on, like, kids' sports and personal instructions. and But why not go to a professional counselor, spend money on one of the most important relationships or the most important relationship in your life next to Jesus. I think the connotation a lot of times is just negative. It seems it seems negative, but it's not. I mean, it's just you know we're doing a better job in this country too about mental awareness and mental health, yeah. and I think now that's 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 a part of it. Like we got to be willing to say, okay, that's it's not lame. I'm not I'm not dying. I'm not something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, something's wrong with all of us. Yeah, <laughs> we're all broken. You can find a, find a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the third principle that Brian mentioned of a of a um, a man, biblical manhood, is a real man leads courageously. And I think that resonates with all men because we we want to kind of like Eldridge Wild at heart. Right, you know, yeah. we all we all have a battle to fight. Like we want to we want to win. We want to fight a battle. I think about uh, Mark Batterson's book in a pit with yeah. the lion on a snowy day, like. You know, he chases the lion down in the pit and kills the lion, yep. and you know, or, or David and Goliath. You know, the kids. When Jolin was little, I used to every night we would go up and read the Bible and pray, and I'd always say, "What story? What do you want me? What are you talk about?" He'd always be like, 
David Goliath. Like it's just kid. Like men, we love courage and yeah. bravery. Let's let's talk about that some. A battle to fight. Yeah. So if you think about what we talked about that night about Jesus being tempted by Satan in in, in three different ways, and and it's really the same temptation that we face all the time. It always comes down to these three things: power, pleasure, and pride. That's it. And if you think about how Satan was tempted, it was the same three things. And if you think about how we are tempted, it's the same three things. And you, you would think, well, why doesn't Satan change his tactic? Well, he doesn't need to because he, he's successful with those three things. <laughs> That's working pretty good. I, I promise oh you, goodness. if you think about it as a man or anybody, one of those three things is going to take you down. Power, pleasure, or pride. There's the three hooks in the water, and one of those things is probably your primary hook. And so... You know, that's how, that's how Satan, he, he tempted Jesus that way. And every single time, if you remember how Jesus combated that, it was through Scripture. And, and every single time, Satan had to back down because he has no power over Scripture. He can take us on all day long and win. But you start throwing God's word back at him, then I'm just telling you, he, he has to fold. He has to run away. And, and one, of the, one of the phrases, one of the, one of the verses, one of the things that Jesus said to Satan was, Be gone. And be gone is the battle cry for a man. That's how we fight. That's how we live courageously. That's what we do in, in the midst of, you know, we, we can't puff our chest out and go, I got Satan. No, you don't. You're not that strong. But we do have authority. And, and Christ has, has chosen to share his authority with us. And he's also, we've got God's word at our disposal. And as I said, when Satan hears God's word, the Bible says he will flee. He will flee when you, when you throw God's word back at him. And Jesus told Satan, be gone. And I think as men, when we know that, that we're either being tempted through power or pleasure or pride, whatever that looks like, we have to go, be gone. You're not winning the day on me here today. And we probably need to be armed with just a couple scriptures that are go-to yep. scriptures to say, hey, listen, it, Satan, I know you're messing with me. You are messing right now in the area of pleasure. You're, you're throwing that hook of porn in front of me. But here's what Jesus says about that. Be gone. And I love the Bible says that we always have a way out. Every, mm-hmm. t- every single time, there's no temptation that, that's, that's greater that we do not have the ability to get out of. Mm-hmm. And when a temptation's thrown at us, and it's going to be in one of those three areas, we need to take that exit ramp as quickly as possible, and we need to be quoting Scripture as we go down that road. I, love that. I, think, I think it makes me think of uh, Cool Runnings. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? I see power. I see pride. <laughs> I see a bad mother. Yeah. Ain't going to take no stuff from nobody. You remember that? Or is that too old for you? Is, I, that, is that too new for you? That's in the uh, 90s. Too Come new on. For you me. should know yeah, that. Jamaica bobsled team. Jamaica, yeah. we have a bobsled team. But I like that. We're going to change <laughs> that. Now I don't, know, I don't know it well enough to be quoting the movie. Now we're going to start with movie lyrics. Instead of power and pride. I feel the rhythm. Power, feel the pleasure, rhythm. pride. You're dang right. See, I'm glad. I'm glad you know that. I think men, I mean, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast, but but the whole pleasure or lust is is our greatest struggle and yep. battle. And I think having some verses resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Yeah. And and, I, and the other verse I like to share with a lot of people is Second uh, Timothy two twenty two, which talks about fleeing the evil desires of youth mm-hmm. and pursue righteousness, pursue holiness. And I think too many people have. Um, they try to get too close to the line of sin. Like, what, what, what can I get away with, with without sinning? Right. And we talk a lot about, hey, let's try to get as far away from sin as possible. And so um, and there's, there's some things we can do to, to protect ourselves. And we talked in 
one of our podcasts about protecting our eyes and protecting what we see and what goes in. Uh, of course, uh, we're going to talk to Amy on our next podcast, your wife. But in, in her book, she mentions covenant eyes yeah. on the computer for the, yep. for the boys. Yep, and me. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we made this, this, we made this uh, little deal with our boys that, you know, when we first got them phones and they now had access. I mean, I mean, if you guys remember back in the day, I mean, you, we did not have access on a, you know, on, in our hand to, to, to pornography. You had to literally go into a store and be steal it or you had, you know, your dad had a stash or, you know, uncle or whatever. Or I mean, go on the family computer in the living room. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, even yeah, there but, was no family computer in the living room. No, I mean, Jonathan. They I were giving me a hard time because I was talking <laughs> about the first time I saw something was, was this, uh, like a Playboy magazine in the woods yeah. that someone had left and they, they were giving me a hard time. Wait, Playboy magazine in the woods, but yeah, you know, yeah. somebody had it in the woods and that's kind of yeah. how we stumbled across it. Yeah. But yeah, well, back in the day there was, I mean, now it's, Right here, it's, it's right there. And it's so, so tempting. Yeah, and so we we just told our boys, hey, when you have the when we get this phone for you, here's the deal: we're putting this thing on here, so everything that you look at that is potentially has a red flag to it, it's going to come back to us. So just know that we're going to probably we may have some tough conversations. And so, you know, um, my boys are you know as I said, they're you know almost twenty seven to twenty four years old. We still do that. They they've kept those things on their on their devices, and I'm their accountability guy, and my wife is my accountability person. And so, there have been a few occasions over the last several years where my my wife will go, "Hey, tell me about that right there." And fortunately, <laughs> you know, it's not been anything bad, but it looks a little bit looks a little shady. But it's just something that you know wasn't. But but she'll ask me the tough questions, and I think you know when we put something like this in our kids' hands with no accountability. And we're and I've heard parents tell me, "Well, I trust my boys." You you are you are setting them up for failure because I'm telling you, Jonathan, you you know this, I know this, you know this. I discovered pornography before my dad was saved. He had a stack of it in the basement in in this little cubby uh, that he didn't know that I found. I found it at like six years old, and it plants a seed in your mind, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, you're look now you're looking for that stuff. And it, you know, it, it's just, it sets our kids, our young men on a course of destruction. And so, you know, this is one of those things we go back to this conversation we had earlier, Davey, about just not being afraid to put some parameters and some barriers and some boundaries around your kids and go, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And by the way, I have the same deal with your mom. She sees everything that if it looks shady, mom's going to see it. Something comes up on your computer or your phone. I'm going to see it as long as I'm paying for it. And I don't think we need to be apologetic for that mm-hmm. because we're, we are guarding nope. our young men's minds so that they will have, not only will they be healthy personally, but hopefully they'll have, you know, healthy marriages and have a good view of sex as they go into their Good marriage. view of accountability. Yeah. Okay. But I, I struggle with this and you know, I'm not great at putting things, you know, always with kit gloves. Yes. I trust my kids. But I also don't hand my kids car keys at 16 and say, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Right. I don't hand them car keys and say, go have fun. Like, we go get your learner's permit. We go get in a car. We go drive around. We go make some mistakes with me with you. We go learn. Like, the cell phone thing is dangerous. It is so dangerous. I think, honest to God, for kids, I feel like it's the number one danger right now. Yep. Like, 
access to all, and, and you don't have to be looking for it. It will find you. Like it's going to find you on, on all the social media. If you have social media, like there's ads that pop up all the time. You don't have to be looking for that girl that randomly pops up that's really strange in a weird position. She'll find you. She'll come right to your phone. Like, so I get it. I understand the trust factor, but I also think there are ways to get around that. Like the gab phone. Like we have the gab phone. It's Nicholas calls it the dumb phone. His friends calls it the dumb phone because it has no apps. It has no internet. It's, but guess what? You know, it's great. He doesn't love his phone. I'm great with that. I'm absolutely great with that. He doesn't love it. He doesn't want to spend time on it all the time. Winning, (laughs) winning. Like that's what I I don't want him waking up looking at his stupid phone. Like I do sometimes. Like I don't don't want that for him. I want, I don't want it to be something that's an idol that takes over his time. That's really, really important. Like we're we're starting that at, and God, I've seen it as, as young as third grade, second grade, like where they're getting iPhones. I'm not even lying. Like that, that's the age that, I saw it growing up with my kids that people started to have devices in their hands. And it's the number one weapon for destruction. If you want to give your, if you want to let your child go, if you want to just hand it to him and say, okay, you know, I trust you. Yeah. Both of my boys uh, went to Christian colleges and um, my, my youngest son was an RA for a year and a half. My, my oldest son led a small group and, and pornography on their phones was the number one thing they were dealing with with small groups and on my, my youngest son's hallway. He said, Dad, that is the conversation. These are Christian kids at a Christian, Christian college, some of them going into ministry. This was the number one conversation that they were having on the hall in the small groups is the battle of, of dealing with pornography. And again, it's just right there in your hand. You can, act, you can access it anytime you want. Yeah, a lot of parents make the argument of, well, I don't want to invade my child's privacy but you're the one who owns the phone. You're right. paying for the phone, and I can't remember which person said it, but our kids will thank us later. They may not understand it at the time, but five years from now, ten years They'll from get now, it. they're going to thank yeah. you 100%. for it. 100%. And again, we're raising adults. Yep. Right? right? We're not yeah. raising kids. Don't care what you're doing. We're not trying to be their best friend. We are, we're, be, we're the yeah. parent. And, not, and God has put us in their lives to protect them, just like you wouldn't let them run out in the road when they're, when they're five no. years old. Like so. We, we got to protect them and, and help them learn lessons while they're under our wing. That's our job for sure. So let's, uh, let's kind of move toward wrapping this up. The, the fourth principle was a real man lives for a greater reward. What, what is the greater reward? Well, I, I said the, the night that I spoke that, that a greater reward is an honorable name. It is your kids being able to look at you and say, I respect that man. It is uh, a good reputation in the community. Uh, when people say your name, what do they think? Um, I use the example of my dad who was on my staff in 2004 and then and drowned in a rafting accident. And uh, my dad never pastored a church larger than 200 people. Um, he, he was in Michigan when he pastored and then came on my staff in 2001. But there were over 3,000 people that either showed up at the funeral home or were at his funeral. People were coming literally from Texas, from Florida, from Michigan, and people were coming. I, I remember standing by my, my dad's casket during the viewing time. People were walking past my mom and my brothers and I telling us stories about my dad. I had no idea. I didn't even know who these people were. Your dad saved my marriage. Your dad, your dad said something to me that caused me to go into ministry. Your dad said something to me that literally pulled me out of addiction. Your dad, and I'm just like, I don't even know who these people are. 
But that man who never passed, he, he was an introverted personality. He was a Canadian, just kind of a, you know, just had this contagious laugh, but was all about his boys, all about his woman and his boys. And that, that was my model. And, but when people say my dad's name, it's, it's almost always with great respect and honor. And that's what the greater reward for us is. I mean, ultimately, the great reward is for us to stand in front of Jesus and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But here on this earth, I mean, how great would it be for, you know, when our lives are over and we're done and we've fulfilled our purpose for our kids to talk about us in ways of just great admiration and respect? Not perfect men, but my dad changed my life. I want to be like my dad. I, I love this, how my dad handled his mar- you know, marriage to my mom, the way he treated her. That's, that's the greater reward. That's powerful. It is. One of the things that the men resonated with was um, Fly and Brian Bloy <laughs> and uh, the wrestling story, and you wrestled in high school. <laughs> yeah. uh, Davey, Davey has some pretty good wrestling stories, too, of him being in a singlet. You got a wrestling name? No, I don't. <laughs> I wasn't much of a wrestling fan either. I hated wrestling with a passion, bro. Uh, I, told, I told my parents. Have I told the story on here about what I said to my parents? Yes. Yeah, you have. Yeah. It. It's, Say, it it's, Say it again? It's okay. worth repeating. Okay, I, I went out for wrestling because they didn't have any um, fat kids that were going to go wrestle. Super so, weights. So they, <laughs> they said, we need a guy for 275. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sophomore in high school, and I was like, eh, sure. And I went out. I hated wrestling. Uh-huh. passion yeah and um after a week i knew it wasn't for me and my mom was like once you start something you gotta finish yeah and uh, same things i said to my kids um and uh that after the state championship match i literally threw my bag in the front seat and i said mom dad next time i wrestle half naked on a mat it won't be with a boy <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of my wrestling career well you you must have been pretty good though I, I doesn't matter. Didn't like it. You just didn't did like it. Did not like, like it. It, it was yeah. not. It was not for me. So yeah. but wrestling's a tough sport, but nah, I definitely. Well, Brian, I didn't have any cool names. Though. It is a tough sport. Pastor Brian told the story at the men's conference about how how the guy pinned you. Oh gosh, yeah. And uh, Ninth you, had, grade. you had to tap out. And well, I was tapped out. Nobody. Yeah. I, I was. I was. I was hoping somebody would tap me out. Yeah. So so what do we say to the man who? is laying flat on that mat and maybe yeah. maybe he feels like he's tapped out and how do you get off the mat like maybe maybe we have some people listening watching who man they're just hard yeah it's hard right now yeah they're like they're they feel like they they've had to tap out mm-hmm. and what what do we say to them how how do we encourage them to to get off the mat and to to get back in the game yeah so to speak you know, here, here, John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're laying on the mat today, you're, you're, th- that's, that's exactly where Satan wants you to be. Hmm. That The enemy wants you down for the count. As long as you're down there, he has you where he wants you. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it more abundantly. And sometimes, you know, life hits us hard. And it, 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 may, it may not be that Satan's, you know, the one that put us down there. Like, like just circumstances have happened that have just put us on the mat. And I mean, the last couple of years with all that's going on in this world, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of men who feel like, man, I'm just down on my, I'm down on my luck. I'm, I feel like tapping out. And I guess what I would say is, is, is just get up. Is just get up and keep moving. Take a step. Take a step in the right direction. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with 
you know, looking ahead and going, I got to be this man, I got to be this husband, I got to be this dad, I got to do this and this. I mean, and it's, and it's overwhelming. And I think sometimes, you know, we go back to, you know, men choose passivity because sometimes we just get overwhelmed and we're like, we can't do it. And I think sometimes you just got to get up and you got to take a step. And it may mean find somebody to talk to that will just help you. Or, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, if you can do it, invest in a counselor or, you know, take a step and get into an accountability group with some other men who will help you get off the mat. Because sometimes you, 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 you know, there's men who go, I just can't do it. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, but maybe you have not brought other men around you. But I would say, you know, you know, if there's a guy out here that's listening to this today who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, that is your biggest step, is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And for some of the guys, you might be at the end of yourself, where you, you know, you are on the mat, and you are staring, you feel like you're staring at the ceiling tiles, and you're hoping somebody will slap the mat, and you're, you know, this thing will be over. That's not God's plan for your life. God has a purpose. He has a plan for you. And if it's for you to just, for once and for all, receive salvation through Jesus Christ, put your faith and your trust in him. Find a great church. Go to Greystone. Get connected into this church. Get yourself into a group and find out why God created you. Sometimes, Jonathan, we're on the mat because we don't even know why we're here. We don't know why God created us. We don't know what our purpose is. We don't know what we're good at, what, 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 what gifts we have. And God wants to unwrap all of those things for, for you through his, your relationship with Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit living his life through you. So my, I guess my, my biggest encouragement would be to just get up and take a step. Don't try to conquer everything at one time. Just take a step in the right direction. Mm. Take a step towards Jesus. I love that. God's mm. mercies are new every morning. Every morning. So just every morning. each each new day, take a step. Take a step towards Jesus. Absolutely. And then and then the job description is very simple. Yep. A will to obey, a work to do. A woman to and love. And a woman to and love. A woman to love. Thank you for listening to this week's Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. Based off of Brian's message, there's a first Adam and the last Adam. They're givers and they're takers in life. We naturally should want to be around people that pour life into us and not energy vampires that suck the life out of us. There are also certain people that are good for us to dial in and others that we need to dial out. We also got into what a real man is and what that actually looks like. A will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love. And a real man works towards a greater reward and a legacy worth emulating. Power, pleasure, and pride are the three ways that Satan will try to tempt you. So be on your guard and be ready. Have scripture to be able to pull out and fight that temptation. So what is your next step today? Are you pinned down on the mat and need help? At Grace Zone, we are here for you. Jesus is there. And like Brian said, if you are face down on that mat, your first step is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals podcast, and we'll catch you next week.